So we're taking a break from Luke for, I think, about six weeks, I think, give or take. Uh, that may adjust as we go. Um, taking a short break, we're going to do a series on uh, the church, right? The church. And I'd like to take two questions about, or answer two questions about why and how I'm doing this, okay? So why am I doing a series on the church? How are we going to try to tackle this series on the church? So let's talk about why first. There's two reasons why. The first reason is because I think it's just a practical need that we have, okay? Let's be honest. We, we got a, a new conglomeration of people in here, right? And so it's just on a practical level as we discuss us, who we are, and what we're going to be as a church, as this local church. I think it's very practical to say, let's just talk about it. Let's talk about this is kind of... Right? This is where we've been. This is how we've done things. This is how we're doing things. This is what's going as we're going forward. Right? Just let's be honest about those things and talk about this just in a practical way. I mean, this is the Edgewood group as it is right now. We've got some people missing today. We used to joke years ago that if you had visited twice, you were one of us. Right? And uh, so that, that, I think, is in a lot of ways, there's still some truth to that because I've, I've noticed some of you that are new, after a few times, you're already joking around with each other. Um, I was talking to uh, Jeff this morning, and he was talking about how um, with Andrew, feels like he's a brother. And I was like, man, I feel the same way. It's, it, isn't that interesting, that family element that starts to build with the people that you are in fellowship with on a weekly basis, right? Not just, and this is why this is important to talk about this practically, not just a lot of times when people talk about the church, they're talking about the big capital C church, the universal church, uh, that goes back all the way back to the beginning of you know the first Right, all the way back, I think, probably to Adam, and all the way to the end of time, people that aren't even born yet, potentially, are all part of God's congregation of people that will fellowship and rejoice together on that last day. But you've got to understand that so often when the Bible talks about church, it's, also, it's primarily, I would say, in fact, I went through this last week and, and went down every time the, the, the Bible mentions the word church, and I was like, is this talking about the big C or just like this local group of believers? And the majority of times it's talking about a local group of believers, like this church, the church in Philippi, the church here, the church here. And so there's a lot of things to talk about how we deal with big C, but there's also a lot of things in the Bible, how we do this, this group, Right? And so we need to talk about that just from a practical standpoint as we're growing new people. Um, we need to think about these things together. Why, number two, the second reason why is because I think there's a, uh, for lack of a better term, a philosophical need to address this. Um, two, two statements I hear quite often. Tell me if you've ever heard this. I hear every once in a while, I hear somebody say, now that, and they put the emphasis on the that, and they do a little bounce in their step when they say, now that. Is what church is supposed to be. Have you ever had somebody do that? Something happened, and they see it, and they go, now that, and there's a little bounce in this, that right there, that's what it's supposed to be, right? Or how about this one? They'll say, that, now, and they, again, on the that, now that is what it really means to do church. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Yeah, I have. I think I've probably said that phrase before. <coughs> Well, whether or not somebody is right or wrong about that exclamation, I think we ought to ask the question, how would one actually know this? When somebody says, now that is what church is, based on what? Because I'm going to be honest, there's some things that people say, and I'm like, absolute full agreement. Like, I, I agree 100% with that statement. 
But there's been a few things that people said, now that, and I go, I don't know about that. That's not, I'm not really following what you're saying about this. And it's a good question to ask. How do we, how, like if you're going to say that, how do you know that? What, what, what's your basis for saying that's what it ought to be or this is how it ought to be? Is it, is it just that's how you've done it? Is it just your pet peeve of what you think it should be? Or is it truly based on here's what the Bible says about church and what church should be? So I think it's good to ask that question. Uh, in other words, we've got to ask what scripture would that claim be based on? And so when we make those claims, we've got to say, well, what, what am I basing that on? If I put those two things together, both practically and philosophically, we can start asking questions like, what is, what is our basis? How do we, what are we going to strive for as a church? Like, I know I can go back now. This is my 13th year being here. I can go back now. Things that well, I would have said 10 years ago, this is what we were striving for. This is what we were attempting to do. And the, the list was small, okay? And, and it's still not very big of a list. And I'm okay with that, and we'll talk about that. But what do we strive for? What pattern do we follow? Um, should it be just this is what our, we did at our last church? And that our last church, that could be a positive or a negative, right? There's some things that you may bring with you from your last church that were really great. And we go like, man, that's a great idea. We ought to incorporate that. There's some things that you go, we did that. That was terrible. And we go, you're probably right. That sounds terrible. You know, I mean, there's just, there's all kinds of things that we need to ask. But we need to come into this as we define ourselves, define ourselves as God would direct. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, so there's the why. The next part is the how. We talk about how, how are we going to answer this. I think you probably already know the answer. How are we going to answer this is clearly what? Going to the Bible, right? <clears throat> it's important to understand that as much as there are things about the church that the Bible is very specific on, you will also find that there are things that carry no specifics at all. So there's some things in the Bible about the church that are very specific. And there's a lot of things, I'm going to be honest with you, there's a lot of things that the Bible is not very specific about at all and how we do church. In my experience, this is just me, most people get specific about the opposite things the Bible gets specific about. Right? The things that they're real persnickety about is not the same things the Bible's real persnickety about. Would you agree in your experience it's kind of been that way? Anybody like that? Am I the only one? No, I'm seeing a couple heads nod. Um... How about, how about some of these things? Um, I'm going to give you one that's, that's been around for years. It still is in different ways. People get real persnickety about And I'm going to tell you, the Bible is just not super persnickety about persnickety. Is that even a word? I'm, I'm using that word. Is that a real word? Keep, okay, persnickety. Okay. I don't know what it means. Somebody Google persnickety. What does that mean? Make sure I'm using it right. Um, so persnickety. But like style of music. Not necessarily content, but just the style of it. Would you agree that there's some people that have gotten real picky about that and, and based what church they go on just on the style, right? Um, one of my favorite things about this church that I've enjoyed for a long time, and I wish Norma was here to, to talk about this a little bit, but uh, um, I remember as we were adjusting and doing some different songs and new songs, and Ashley's gone too. Gosh, everyone is important. I know you guys are all important too. <laughs> Todd's like, forget it, I'm out. Um, <clears throat> I, Norma, I'm just going to tell you, she, when we, there's some changes happening, and I've told Paul this, I've told a couple of other people this, she handed me this book, and uh, this was maybe two, three, four years in being here, and the book was titled, Who's Stealing My Church? And I was like, oh man, 
what is this? I was like, thank you, Norma. All right, now, you know it turned out well because, you know, I'm not just saying this because she's not here. But I, I'm like, well, thank you. And, and, and I read it. You know what I read? It? It, was, it was a fictional story, but it was about this little church, and it had the older crowd, and it had the younger crowd. And it was about how the older crowd, many of them started to realize this isn't like the title, Who's Stealing Our Church? They started going, this isn't our church. It's, it, it's, it's his church. And it was actually a book about how this older crowd was embracing what some of the, the likes and dislikes, the things that the Bible does not get persnickety about, that, and enjoying those things. It, I think that's important because I might sit here, and that some particular song may not be my cup of tea, which I have to say, most of them are. I, I love all kinds, styles of music. Um, but there's somebody else. Have you ever, if you've ever got a song, that you're like, oh, that's not my favorite, have you ever just looked around? And you'll see somebody that's just loving it. And there can be a great joy in the spirit of this body, not just because it's the one you like it, but it's because the one they like, and you like them liking it. Does that make sense? So, that, But that's an example. Things that, are, that the Bible does not get very persnickety about is the, the actual style of music that's played. Is the Bible silent on music? No. But there's other things. How about, uh, I know that I'm going to give out some dumb examples. Church carpet color. Anybody ever had a church that's like, that's just right. I'm going to be honest. The Bible does not say anything about what color the carpet should be. Okay? Um, by the way, I have planned on saying this later on in my notes, but uh, um, you're experiencing, uh, some of you for the first time, uh, as a, um, a church, some of you are not used to this, but having a bivocational pastor introduces this new element that not a lot of pastors, a lot of pastors have to work really hard at this. As a bivocational pastor, I, my livelihood is not dependent on this church. And so me getting up here and holding to what the Word of God says, if it offends every single one of you and you all walk out, I'm okay. Right? <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you. Okay? That doesn't mean that I think I'm 100% right every single time. It just means that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from the conviction of what I believe this word teaches, right? And there's going to be some things. Some of you, you, you got past, they get nervous. Oh, how's people going to react? I, I'm going to tell you, I, I am the way I am with my students at school. I call it at school, I call it purposefully indifferent. It doesn't mean I don't care. It means I decide to be indifferent about how necessarily you're going to respond to this particular thing, Right? I think that's actually an important element of love is to be purposefully indifferent in certain ways, right? Anyway, that's a, that's a side note. Um, other types of things the, the Bible's not super specific on, church polity. The Bible talks about elders and deacons, um, how that all plays out with just the local church and what about in a region or an area or across the globe having, I mean, they did things a lot different in that first century church than we do today. If we were doing it the way they did, we'd be doing a lot more like how the Catholics or the Lutherans do it today, right? So there, there's some things, though, but there's this flexibility. There's this interesting flexibility um, about how we do things. So the way we do things um, we ought to do is very flexible in some ways and very solid in others. And I hope that as we go through this, we're going to try to hit on the solid things to build a foundation, but the end result might look different. This is why you see a church service in China looking different from one in the Middle East to one in Africa to one in the Middle Ages. 
to one in Oregon in the late 1800s, or to one in India in the third century, what a church service would look like can be very different and all be biblical. That's the key point I was trying to get to. Okay? So how do we do this? We're going to look for those things that are solid, key ideas, and then we're going to be flexible with how we do the solid things. Does that make sense? Okay. I know this is a long introduction. Uh, so here's, how we, here's what we have planned out right now for the sermons that are coming. Okay? So there's this one today, introduction sermon. We're going to talk about one particular idea, and I'll get to that in just a moment. Next week, we're going to talk about preaching specifically. Uh, what, so we're going to take these solid things, and we're going to talk about some of the things about preaching. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, as we get through these, I, I'm already thinking, I may, we may have to adjust some of these things as we go, because I'm, I'm learning this stuff as I'm studying it, okay? And there's things that I have solid opinions on, but I'm, I'm also need to be flexible with the things the Bible is flexible on, right? This isn't my church. This is his church, okay? Um, so we're going to talk about um, expository preaching specifically, but preaching in general. We're talking about children's ministry, we're going to talk about that. We have, a, we have a new issue. I've never had to have a purposeful conversation about children's ministry until y'all came. And all of a sudden, y'all brought a bunch of kids, and now we're like, we should do something about that, right? And, and, but then ask yourself, what does the Bible say about it? How, what does the Bible talk about this particular thing, the way we ought to do it? The next one I'm going to talk about, then there's three in order that are going to talk about fellowship, talk about unity. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about membership. Um, oh. I'm not even on the right slides here. Um. That was supposed to follow immediately my mention of membership. <laughs> membership. Uh, that's a new issue, and I'm a very transparent person. I'm going to tell you right now, that's a new issue, um, talking about membership. You, some of you have different responses to membership than I've ever experienced before right? Um, some of you have gone, no, thank you. Some of you have said, what? <laughs> okay, so it, that's a new thing. So I'm like, okay, and it, I'm going to be honest with you. It's, it's forced me to take a step back and say, what, is, what does this actually say about that topic, right? Because I don't want to come into something with just my preconceived notions, because if I'm telling you to do that, it'd be wrong for me to do that, and generally it's wrong anyway to, to, to base things on that, right? Um, at the same time I talk about church discipline, I'm also going to talk about uh, I'm, I'm sorry, at the same time I talk about membership, I'm going to talk about church discipline. That was timed a little bit better. I apologize. That is like a, that is the kind of thing that an old guy puts in to be funny, isn't it? Doggone it. Um... I have to say, though, some people, when you talk about church discipline, that's the reaction, right? The dun, 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 what? Okay? And let's say why. Why? Has that been done terribly? Ha have anybody in this room either seen it or experienced it either firsthand, secondhand, thirdhand, done terribly? Yes. Does that mean it's not in this book? No, it's in here. What, what do we do about, about that? Right, We don't want to take something that we just have had a bad experience with and say, well, I don't want to do that because I've had a bad experience. Right? We ought to redeem it and say, how, how would Christ have want us, wanted us to do it? How would that, not to throw criticism at the ones that have done it poorly, but just to say, 
it, sometimes you can learn from mistakes and say, that's, that's the, obviously the wrong way. I think it felt like it anyway. What, what does the scriptures actually teach about those things? I promise no more of those. Um, all right. <laughs> one more. You wanted one more, didn't you? One more at the end of the service when I say amen. Um, <clears throat> that's what I'll do when I'm done on time. Um, all right. So uh, now all that, without any further ado, I'm jumping into, that was all my introduction. Now I have a short sermon here, hopefully short. Um, that's the plan. Uh, I, in fact, even this morning I was going through and deleting things out of my notes. I was like, okay, I don't need that. I'm trying to trim out all the extras. Um, I got to do something with this sermon I haven't had been able to do in 13 years. I've, I'm re-preaching a sermon. I actually, I'm preaching on Acts chapter 2 um, right now. I'll go ahead and put the first verse up there. Uh, 2 verses 41 through 47. I'm just going to focus on verse 42. But I actually, we've, we worked our way through the entire book of Acts. And so I was actually able to go back and find my old notes. I actually listened to my, my sermon. That was weird. It was terrible. Don't go back and listen to it. Um, and believe it or not, we were having sound issues at the time, and like it got interrupted, and it was ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> but I had the, I've got the opportunity to re-preach this, and it's interesting because I was talking about this then. This was December the 12th, 2017. I preached on Acts 2.42. And at the time, I'm talking about the church. What are we to be? And here I have this opportunity to do it again with most of the people that Heard that one, right? Uh, some of them are still here, but now I've got a whole new slew of people here. And it gave me a chance to go back and rehash those things. The reason why I picked this passage is because this is the emergence of the church. This is, this is it in history. The first real sermon was just preached by the apostles. And Peter specifically rose up and he, he's preaching to these people... And this is what follows that. This is the first gathering together of God's people post-resurrection. And so I think there's some things we could look at right here. And we go, here's some things that are really important about what were they doing. That ought to give us a great foundation for what we ought to do. Right? So Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. So those who received his word, it's talking about Peter, were baptized. And there were added that day about three thousand souls and i always have to pause at that point and go the logistics at that point i mean we added 10 people and i was like what are we gonna do you imagine three thousand, and you didn't even have anything to start off with what what a even the baptizing part your arm would have been you know three thousand souls and we're going to read this next verse to see what did they do and this is what we're going to focus on verse 42 i'm going to go through all the way down to verse 47 but i'm going to come back to this verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles <coughs> and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Like I said, here we have the first church. There's some questions we can ask. What was their setup? How did they do things? And notice we already see there's a lot of things that are open to interpretation, but there's some very solid things embedded in this passage. This is a summary passage by Luke. Luke just finished, and he will do this all throughout the, the book of Acts. He will, he will talk about these things, and he'll throw in a little summary of some events historically. And that's what this passage is. It's a summary passage that Luke throws in here. This is kind of some things that happen, and then he'll move to the next major story. Verse 42, let's go back to it. There's four things that you can see that they devoted themselves to. But let's focus first on that word, devoted themselves. That's one word in the Greek. It means to be steadfast in, to be adhered to or glued to. These are the things that they said, latched on to these things. And like I said, how many things do you see that, that they latched on to? Count them up. Four, right? You see four things there? Okay. Let's talk about the first one. <clears throat> the apostles' teaching. Okay. For those apostles, as evidenced by Peter's sermon, if you go back and you read through that sermon... It was rooted in the Old Testament. So Peter's sermon was rooted in the Old Testament. That's a scripture that was available to them. For us, this is the New Testament as well. Understand that the New Testament is literally saturated with Old Testament references and all of these through this Jesus lens. Okay? So this first element they were devoted to is the apostles' teaching. And so when we try to figure out what that is, that's where we dig into what were the apostles' teaching. And that's where I look at Paul for next week as he's preaching on this preaching element. That's where that element is going to come in. We're going to expand on that particular part. I'm going to offer a brief summary of it by just saying this. There was a devotion to the word of God. So as a church, when we think about what's Edgewood going to be, right? What are we going to be? Um, I think this is the first thing we ought to be devoted to right there, isn't it? Let's be devoted to the word of God, Right? Okay, now, for the pastors, how we're going to do this, and the other leaders in our church, there's four ways that we're going to try to do this. One is primarily through preaching, okay? Each and every Sunday, we're going to unpack, and this is why, um, and I, I don't want to steal things away from you, but I'm just planting some thoughts here. This is one of the reasons why, like when it talks about the apostles' teaching, I'm going to the book of Luke, and I'm just going, right, through this. What does this teach? It doesn't mean that we don't veer off like I'm doing today and do something topical and try to find a passage of scripture that's talking about, I want to learn something about this. But notice that finding the passage isn't, I've got an idea and I need to find something to back it up. It's, a, I need to find what does the Bible teach about this and I go look for that passage. And then I say, okay, this is what it says about it, right? So that's, that's the way we're going to do this is we're going to be stuck to that. A second one is through Sunday school. Um, you notice today, if you were here today, in Sunday school, one of the things that we do, we'll, we'll teach something, but then he'll say, where do we get this from? And when he goes to the where do we get this from, does it go, well, where does it go? I'll just put it that way. Where does it go all the time? Scripture, right? The Bible. He goes, here, it says this here, it says this here, it says this here. And it is, it's finding those things in the Word of God to find out what does the Bible say about these things. I believe it's possible to a degree, to an extent, to search through this and find, what, what does everything the Bible say about this topic? It doesn't mean I'm going to find everything about that topic, but everything the Bible says about that topic, I can pull from and learn from. The things that have been revealed are for us, is what God says. There are things that are hidden that are for him. They're not for us, but there's things that are revealed are for us. And so this is for us to find and search through and look at. A third way 
that uh, we, we try to do this is through Bible studies. So the Thursday night thing when we try to do a Bible study, I know the, the men are doing Daniel, the women are doing Yoo-hoo, I guess is what it's called. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> but doing Bible studies. Last one, right? Uh, the fourth way is that the key in all these things that we do just comes back to this book being the measuring rod for all that we teach, right? It always comes back to this. And so that's the way we're going to try to do this as a church, as the pastors of your church. For you, I think there's three ways you can do this individually. The first way is by yourself reading your Bible, okay? And when I preached on this in this December of 2017, I, I did this whole thing where I was like, it's like taking the vital signs of a church to see if we're healthy. And so I went through this whole thing like, okay, let's take our pulse. Are we doing these things? And I think there's some good thoughts in there to ask yourself when I list these things off. Hey, am I doing that stuff? Um, I think you should be reading your Bibles. I think you should be reading your Bibles daily, right? I think you should be reading your Bibles daily. I believe that. I think I could probably go to the Word of God and show you where that's emphasized throughout the Word to be daily in the Scriptures, daily coming to Him. I think you ought to be evaluating your preaching, not my preaching, but my preaching, it's your preaching. So I'm up here preaching. This is what you're getting for today. You ought to be evaluating it. Uh, anybody know the, if you've been in church for a long time, what's the word that we use to describe somebody that, that takes what's preached and evaluates it with the word of God? Anybody know? Berean, right? The Bereans, because uh, the, in the city of Berea, they heard Paul the apostle preach. Paul. They heard Paul preach. They didn't just go, okay, they went, hmm, let's check this out, and went to the scriptures, right? And so we ought to be Bereans. I would love it if you went home and evaluated what I was preaching and even came back the next week and was like, I don't know about that, Matt. My mother-in-law does that to me every week. (laughs) Honestly, I love it, though. I love that when... Honestly, it shows you're paying attention, first of all. You're listening to what I was talking about. That's all, that's all I want, right? That's all any teacher ever wants is just people paying attention to what you're saying. And I, I love it. So if you're like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, I don't know about this. And you know what? That's so important because everything I say ought to be run through this, right? You ought to never, and I don't think anybody's actually doing this, but I don't think anybody ought to ever go, well, that's what Matt said, <laughs> I don't really think that's a big problem we've had, but because um, I say a lot of dumb stuff too. Um, number three, I think you ought to be finding times to learn more about the word outside of these four walls, right? Um, for those that are older in the room, preaching on the radio, right? Uh, for those that are younger, preaching online, devotionals, books, Bible studies with each other, with others in the community that you know are believers, right? These are great things that you can do to... Be yourself devoted to these things. Honestly, though, as I get older, the more I steer away from encouraging too much online preaching, and I want to tell you two reasons why. One, there's a lot of kooks out there, okay? And two, you get to pick. And that's not always a good thing. It can be helpful at times if you're trying to find out what does this guy say about this or what does this guy say about this. But if all you ever listen to preaching-wise is what you were looking to hear about, that's not a good thing. But when you're part of a regular assembly of people, you're going to hear some things that you're like, yeah, I I was wondering about that. You're going to hear some stuff that you did not want to hear about. Right? 
So I think online preaching, there's some benefits, but there's, there's a lot of downsides. All right, let's take a look at the next thing here. Um, the next one was fellowship, the fellowship. In fact, it's interesting that that word the is actually in there. Each one of these, I, when I read this, if I'm not careful, I go, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and breaking bread and prayers. But in the original language, it actually says the the with each one of those things. I thought that was interesting. I missed that. The fellowship, the breaking of bread, the prayers, okay, specific to these things. And so I'm just going to put it up this way. Last time I preached this, I, I call it devotion to one another, but I thought, you know, th- wait, this is important. The, the fellowship. The word fellowship, uh, Luke only uses it once in all of Luke and Acts. It's right here. This is the only time that it's used by uh, the, the author Luke. Um, Paul uses it quite often, and a lot of times it's translated partnership. It's very closely related to uh, a word that means what is in common. In fact, Paul uses it in a couple places to refer to people who are in business together, right? Uh, I've never been in business with somebody, but I can imagine, or can you imagine being in business with somebody and the other person you're in business with is like, hey, uh, I've decided you're not going to look at any of my books. Would that business succeed? In fact, you're probably thinking, if you've got a business partner that's not letting you look at any of the books, you, that's like sign number one, right? There, isn't there an openness that happens when you're in business with somebody? There's a transparency that's involved. And I think that we ought to keep that in mind when we think about what does it mean to be a part of a, a group of believers. There, there's that fellowship. And this is an example of how we're going to unpack this more later. But you'll see this played out where quite often Paul talks about this fellowship not in terms of big C church, but in terms of individual, sometimes household groups, right? This partnership, you're in partnership with them. Paul, he'd be in partnership with them too in a different way. But there, there was a closeness, there's an interconnectedness. There's a connectedness that we can have that I can't have with people that aren't a part of this particular assembly. Just like I can't have it with somebody that's part of a church in Nigeria. We talked about this this morning in church, how it's interesting where when you do connect with people that are across the globe that are Christians, you find a connectedness that's there, right? But there's also something very important about this ongoing regular involvement with people that's like, these people know me. I'll be honest, when I'm talking to the missionary from across the globe, they're seeing the best version of Matt, right? The people that are with you in the day-to-day they're going to see not just the best version of you, but they're going to see the real version of you. And that's the people you want to be in a partnership with. <coughs> Share a quote here, Tony Merida, in his commentary on Acts, he put this. He said, the church is God's plan. The plan is bigger than the random conversion of a few individuals. Christianity is personal, but not individualistic. I, I included the quote for that particular statement. It's personal, but it's not individualistic. We've got too many Lone Ranger Christians in our world today. You, know, you guys know the Lone Ranger? Remember the Lone Ranger? I think you know what he did just from his title, <laughs> right? Off on his own. Uh, we've got too many that, that, that approach Christianity that way, and we're to be in it together. You look at all the places in the Bible where it says, you do this or you do this, and how many times it's actually a plural you, not a singular you. And so we ought to be in this with other believers. There's a brotherhood. There's a family. It's a body. And we'll talk more about that as we get into it. Um, I'm going to try to skip down here through uh, some of my things to get to the the next part. I think that uh, how we're doing this as pastors, this fellowship element, I think we try to offer times for this. 
The Thursday night thing, I think, is a great way that we can offer times for this just to develop relationships, right? It's not really about the food. The food helps. Can I get an amen, Andrew? Amen, amen, yeah. Food helps. Uh, I don't feel bad about that at all because of the very next thing we're going to say. And in fact, so often when you see these churches getting together, there was food involved. And so I'm just saying it was there. Um, but we try to do this. We also, uh, we, don't, we don't lock the doors until 930 and then let you in, right? That'd be weird. Uh, what goes on? In fact, we, as, a, as a church, we specifically, as our church, we, we did some construction just to try to enhance the ability to do this. This little outside area here, that used to be a little tiny foyer. We expanded it based on, in part, this concept that fellowship, getting to know other people ought to be happening. All right. Uh, let's talk about you. I think that, uh, talk about the pastors, talk about you. What ways can you do this? I think some of you are doing a lot of these things already. Um, some of you have relationships, friendships, people that are other Christians that you're like, I'm, I'm with it with these people, right? Sharing prayer requests with them, talking to them, seeing them. When you're struggling, you call them. I think it's good to covenant with other people so that we can say, hey, we're in this together. Um, this is challenge today. I know that last time I dealt with this, we had a lot of people who had never been to church, and so we had a new interesting thing. Now, that's not necessarily the case with this group, but one of the things we tackled uh, way back was having people come in, and they'd never really been a part of church, and so they had this circle of friends. They're what we would call community, and it was a bunch of people who, who were not Christians. They, in fact, we had some that were like, their group, guess where their group was at? Guess where they were meeting on a weekly basis? Take a wild guess. The bar, right? Everybody knew their name, right? And they went in, and it was, hey, you know, and that's the, that's the people, right? And, and so they were trying to get involved in, in this church thing, but, but that was still their community. And so I, we, you know, I can remember way back talking about, like, okay, so there, there's an element where I want to encourage these people. Like, I get these friendships, but it gets... The longer you're of the faith, the more difficult it gets to be to maintain these in the way that it was because, frankly, you're headed a different direction than they are. But in the church, you see people calling each other brothers, sisters. You see Christ himself who, when his mom and his brothers and sisters are outside, they say, hey, your family's here. What does he do in that moment? He says, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Are they not these people here? And so there's an element of this. I want to share one more quote from Tony Merida. Um, if people are out of fellowship with Christ, and they will be out of fellowship with the church, and if people are out of fellowship with Jesus' people, that is an indicator, not fact, but that is an indicator, they may be out of fellowship with Jesus. Right? That's how strong the Christ church union is. I absolutely agree with that. Right, absolutely agree with that. I think there's something about if you get out of regular involvement in a local group of believers and you're just off on your own, so often the real issue is out of involvement with Christ as well. There's a balance there. Um, back to verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. The next one up is the breaking of bread. Okay, the breaking of bread. This is a clear reference to the Lord's Supper. For these first Christians, the Lord's Supper was the centerpiece of their worship service. This is one of the reasons why for a while we had 
communion every single week. It was because of this passage, actually. We had talked about this, and then a few weeks later, we started doing communion every week because we were like, wait a minute, they, that's what they did. They did it every time they got together. Um, in Matthew 26, when we, talk, when we hear about the Lord's table, you see that there was teaching involved. Jesus taught them something. There was fellowship involved. There was conversations happening. And at the end, Norma always reminds me what they did at the end when they were done. They, they sang a hymn as they went out, right? And so I'm going to put it this way. I don't think this is a stretch. I think one of the things we can get from this term, breaking bread together, was their, their worship service. This is when they got together was the breaking of bread. They actually had times where they said, we're getting together and being purposeful about what's happening in this service. I think how we're doing this, well, we have communion at least once a month. Every once in a while, I think, again, maybe we should go back to doing it every week. I think there's something to that. Um, but we do this every week, don't we? Get together. We've got some teaching. We've got some preaching. We've got some singing. We fellowship together. I think that's what's involved in those things. Finally, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, breaking bread, and the prayers. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one either because I know that we just have spent some time in Luke talking about prayer and talking about the importance of prayer and what we're doing with those things. As pastors, what we do is we try to make sure that we're praying before the service. We try to pray in the service. We pray about the service. We have time set aside for this when we used to have our Wednesday night prayer meeting, but even on our Thursday nights, we have times afterwards when we're done with the Bible study. Let's, let's pray together. These people were devoted to, they were glued to, they were adhered to the prayers. And there's a corporate element to this. Not just individual private prayer, but also this corporate praying together. How can you do this? I think you can do this by participating in those things. Not just when I'm praying. Like when I'm praying, what can you be doing at your seat? Praying in your head along with me, right? Um, I prefer it if you don't start praying verbally. I know some churches do that, but my concentration level is really bad, and so I will not be able to continue my prayer, and then I will get lost in what I'm saying and just be like, oh, go ahead and take it. You got it. I'll just tag out. But uh, um, I, I don't know if anybody's ever been with somebody that like, likes to do, like has a lot of interaction. I, I like it, but my, it presses my ADD mind to its furthest extreme when you got somebody that's like, oh, amen, oh, that's so true. And they keep saying, I'm like, trying to focus. I'm, I can't even remember what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I love it at the same time because when it's totally dead silent when you're praying and nobody's saying anything at all, you're like, am I saying stupid stuff right now? Anybody ever do that? You're like, you're praying and nobody says amen or yes, Lord. You're like, I'm, what's, I, am I saying the worst stuff? Of the, why is nobody, right? And then you're, you're hoping for that one little one every once in a while just to let you know they're listening too. They're praying with me. And then you can keep going. I don't know if anybody else goes through this. Does anybody else go through that in your head when you're doing this? Am I the only one? Okay. Uh, oh, yes? Oh, great. Um, I would also like to encourage us to have more. Right now, like in our actual church service, usually the only ones that uh, offer up a vocal prayer is usually one of, like either me or Paul. Uh, I would love to have more people involved in that element. And I want to say specifically, especially the men. Okay? Especially the men. Not to bring anything down about the... I'd love to have the women pray too. But I'm telling you, especially the men praying. And if you say, why do you believe that? I, right? Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, he says, I desire that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Now, if you go, well, maybe that's just talking about mankind. The very next verse says, likewise also that the women. 
So in this particular verse, he's talking about specifically the men. What is interesting about this, and here's that bivocational part, like I don't, I'm going to step on your toes, I don't mind. So often we find, and I think some of you will absolutely agree with this, I think historically you'll find a lot of times in a church, the, the ones that are spiritual in the sense of more vocal, many times tends to be the women of the church. Not always, not always, but a lot of times that happens. And the men sometimes tend to lean the other way. I know that's not always. I know that a lot of the churches I've been in, especially as a younger person, you tended to see that. What's interesting about this passage is it kind of flips those and encourages the opposite thing, right? The men who typically... Right, I, and I I'm personally like that. I know that you guys only know me in this context, but I'm I'm the introvert. I'm like I'd if if I wasn't a pastor, I would be the guy in the back that was like, and then out the door. Okay, <laughs> right. Good to see you. Okay, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Um, that that's my tendency. But doing something like this is praying verbally. Um. I'd love to have more people that I know that I could... I usually don't do it because I don't want to put you on the spot. Um, right? I don't let me put you on the spot. So I don't mind putting my father-in-law on the spot. I do that to him all the time. But um, I think it's good. I think we ought to expand that arena and have more of us in the service. I think that's a way that we could do this better, is having more of us pray. And understand... If, if you're sitting there going, yeah, but I don't um, pray good, well, that's baloney. That's just baloney. I, I don't, honestly, have you guys, you guys heard me pray? I'm not, I mean, Paul prays. It's like, he's talking about the universe and the stars and the cosmos and all that God has done. And I'm like, Jesus, help us make it through the day. <laughs> Help me not to say nothing stupid. <laughs> you know, if you got up and you said, you know, or if you told me I'd be willing to pray for the service, and when I called on you, you're like, Lord, thank you that you're here and you're part of this service and help us to make it through. In Jesus' name, amen. That's great, right? Is, is there anything in Scripture that would make you think that God appreciates an eloquent prayer more than a non-eloquent prayer? Now, I don't want to flip it backwards and say that the eloquent is bad. I love it when Paul prays. I, in fact, I love it because there's things that he says, I'm like, I hadn't even thought about that. Right? I, I think there's a benefit, though, to having a, a variety of voices in this service. And I would love to have more of you say, you know, I'd be willing to pray. If you wanted to call on me any time to pray, I'd, I'd be more than happy to pray. Um, out of kindness, I try to say, I, I don't want to right, just spring that on you. But if you'd be willing to have it sprung on you, let me know, because I would love to have you do that. I am going to uh, <clears throat> skip down to the end of my notes. Uh, I had a bunch of other things that we had here. Actually, I'll just show you what they were. Um, in that passage in Acts, as you unfold it, uh, when I preached through this the first time, there was several other things in this passage that demonstrated how they did that. So one of them, constant interaction with one another. That fellowship, you can see that day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, right? Constant interaction. You see gatherings in both large and small groups. Do you see that in that too? 
sitting in the temple together, but also where? In their homes, right? Uh, you see that it was genuine and not forced. That's so important. Don't, don't even try to do it to yourself. Don't come here trying to force your own spirituality. I want to try to sound spiritual, be spiritual. No, it's got to be genuine, and you see a genuineness in these people. Receive their food with glad and generous hearts. There's, from the heart, they're doing these things, right? Um, we also see radical generosity, at no point does the Bible say that this is how it always ought to be, but these people were so moved by what they had seen that they were like, we're, we're, we're all going all in. And even if we're not called to always do it this way, this is one of those examples. What's the solid part? Generosity with each other, looking out for each other, being gracious with one another. They practice it by saying, we're going to put everything together. Right? doesn't mean we have to do it the exact same way. There's a lot of variety and a lot of ways that they do it. In fact, through the New Testament, you see them being generous in different ways. It wasn't always like this. In fact, this is the only time it was quite, this, quite like this. But they did these things together. This fellowship was real and genuine. Um, so, close. Devotion to the Word of God. Right? We're going to expand on that in the next few weeks. Devotion to the fellowship. Right now, i got three planned on talking about different aspects of that. Um, <clears throat> devotion to the worship service, which I think we'll talk about music as well as that. What does the Bible actually does say about music and how we ought to be with that? I gave that one to Paul. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to laugh. Um, uh, devotion prayers. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one in this round because we just came off of several sections in Luke talking about prayer. So uh, I'm not going to take another sermon on that necessarily, but we'll, go, we'll see how it unpacks, okay? Um, I'm going to end the service right now, okay? Uh, I would encourage you, if you have questions about any of these things, uh, feel free to ask them in advance. Ask them later. Uh, we may have to do like a, a Q&A time. We talked about doing some Q&A each Sunday just briefly afterwards or having maybe on, I don't know. We'll figure something out. But as we talk about these things, having some times of interaction with this stuff, okay? Uh, I would also ask you very specifically that you would, that last one, pray. Because for me, I don't like doing these topical. I like just preaching through Luke because I know exactly what I'm going to do next week. You know, like, it's Luke. I'm gonna, what does Luke say next? That's what I'm going to say. And then I, I dig into it. This stuff is, is for me, very challenging. And so I would ask that you pray for me as I'm preparing for the ones I'm going to do. I ask you to pray for Paul, that, you would, that God would prepare him for the ones he's going to be preaching on. That the end result, I hope the end result um, is something we can keep for a while. We're going to record it and keep it for a while and say, hey, if, if, you're, if, you're, part, if you're with us, right? If you're with us, this is what we're, we're trying to be about. So if you're ever like, what are you guys about? Here it is, right? If you want to end on this, that's great, right? We'd love to have you. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, Lord, for, Lord, really for all that you've done for us. I thank you, God, for your word and, and what it does teach us about how we ought to live and how we ought to be. Lord, I would ask that as we, uh, Paul and I, are preparing for these next things, and really as a church, as we're all together preparing for these topics, God, I ask that you would guide the process from top to bottom, across the board, in the hearts, not only of us who are are going to be presenting this information, but Lord, in, in the hearts of those hearing it, Lord, direct us into your truth. Help us to hold on to the things that are solid that we ought to, 
Help us to hold loosely to the things that are not solid in your word. I pray that the end result would be something that is glorifying to you. In Christ's name, amen.